Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, for our next installment of our Karma Law of Attraction Astrology course, where today we are discussing sinistry. Can't wait to dive into this one, Kim. Before we do, happy birthday. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Uh, we are, we're going to, I had, I realized in the schedule I had, this was going to be kind of the last wrap-up call and we were going to do Asteroid Karma and questions and so forth and then do follow-up on the, on the, uh, in the ch- chats, um, in the comments on the site. And then, Oh, someone, which I can't remember who, asked about uh, Sinistry, and I thought, oh, my God, I forgot to schedule that in. I'm going to do that next, and we'll do Karma. So the next uh, call will be on the 6th of June. We'll do Karma, and that will be our wrap-up call, just to let you know that we're um, going to tie this all together in uh, in that time frame. So, yes, we're going to talk about Sinistry, and before I dive into that, I just want to cover a few things that I'm not sure that we have, uh, just to make super clear some basics for you guys to work with, because these will apply totally to the synastry. And uh, and we'll have questions at the end, but I'll just roll with this first. With the outer planets, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and, and Pluto, they have, karmically speaking, and again, that means... In, in terms of the patterns that we have established that reflect our vibration. That's all karma is, is the vibration that we uh, are sending out, the signal that we're sending out, and the signal that we've perhaps carried over for lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, <laughs> maybe. Um, the In terms of the signal they're related to, I just wanted to make the distinction. We talked about Saturn uh, last call and very much how we do see Saturn as kind of this taskmaster, but that's because where Saturn is in the chart and how Saturn inter- interplays with the aspects and so forth is very much a, a signal about wanting to learn more, wanting to get this right, wanting to apply ourselves more to this area of life. And maybe it's because we've ignored that area of life um, for uh, many cycles or simply because we have a lot of curiosity there and we want to develop it more. So it's not this, you know, whip-cracking, um, paternal kind of disapproving, frowning old-school teacher, but our own hearts reaching out to expand our abilities and our talents, and and in by uh, follow on our resources that come from uh, developing those talents. So where Saturn is, we're definitely looking at an area of life we want to expand 
and it sounds weird because Saturn is the principle of contraction, but to expand in an area of life, to learn that, we need to focus, and focus is the uh, act of contraction, of bringing down and looking closely at something. So Saturn's very much about learning, whereas Uranus, I think, karmically speaking, in terms of these patterns, the signal that we're sending out, that's uh, a very different. It's We have these ideas of something being very outside the box and very innovative, but I think in terms of a pattern, if we're in a pattern, there's something about principles here. Let's say you've got Uranus conjunct uh, sun or moon or on the ascendant or the midheaven. It's uh, uh, linked to personal planets. There's something that we're learning about principles, and it's very much uh, the autonomy of uh, having our own ideas. I'm just thinking about that period of time where uh, seven years uh, where Uranus was in Libra, and it feels like a real um, paradox because Libra's saying, uh, we're going to share, we're going to adjust, and we're going to merge ideas, we're going to collaborate, and I'm going to listen to you, and I want to hear what you think uh, to help me decide what I think. And But then there's Uranus saying, my way, <laughs> my ideas, uh, I don't give a rip what you uh, think. And so it seems like a real paradox. But I think what's going on here is a kind of a, an adjustment where in the past maybe we relied too much on what other people think and the idea is to develop our own principles or and this is what makes it tricky because there's no real uh, drop-down menu that tells us which one it is. <laughs> it is complex. The other, the flip side is that we could have been so principled, so into our own ideas, so uh, determined to uh, go our own way that we didn't take into account what other people thought. So it, you can't look at a chart. Well, you can't. You can tell by looking at a chart. You can't look at that single aspect of the Uranian energy, wherever it is in the chart, and say, we were too principled or we weren't principled enough. You can't make that choice until you look at the whole chart and get a feeling for what the vibration is. Does that make sense, what what I'm saying so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we've, uh, there's also kind of a coolness and a detachment to the Uranian energy. And it can be, again, both ways. Uh, it, it can be we were too detached in the past. and uh, Or it can be that we were so entwined that we need to develop the uh, energy of, of detachment a bit to, to establish our own uh, ideas, our own will. Uranus is very uh, much about the will. So this is the the trickster in the uh, unraveling the chart, and one has to just get into the natal and find the themes. There's a, a very ancient idea that you need to find three echoes of a uh, of a principle. Maybe maybe it's um, example let's say sun uranus and uh uh then there's uh maybe saturn on the ascendant or there there has to be 
um, maybe the south node is in Cancer. It, there has to be a theme that tells us which way to go, whether one was overly um, attached to other people's ideas or uh, not sensitive enough to other people's ideas. Uh, south node um, in Cancer, we discussed this before, uh, is especially if it's in the 7th or 11th uh, house, is talking about already knowing how to adjust to others, already um, letting others do things for us, perhaps. And so if that's in there, we can be sure to say that a, a Uranian, in terms of the karmic pattern, the Uranian energy is about becoming more autonomous and def defining our own principles. All right, so you can't, this isn't cookie cutter. You, it's not, uh, you're not able to just pick an aspect or a planet and say this is what it means. You've got to take in the whole. The human psyche is uh, very complex, and the astrology reflects that. So it just takes practice. And remember that rule of three, of looking for three supporting or collaborating um, energies in separate places that support this theme that you're that you're coming up with. Often, if you're doing a reading and you start talking to the client about uh, this idea of the pattern, they're going to know. They're going to if they're tuned into their higher self, they're going to know instantly that yeah, I I just uh, I just go with I want to have my own ideas, but I I'm too afraid to go against what the crowd says, or you know, they're going to be in touch with it. So connect to the chart and connect to the person. Um, it's always trickier when it's yourself, <laughs> I find, because we're so subjective. But um, in that case, then definitely look for that, um, the three echoes. All right, so when Neptune, when we're looking at Neptune karmically, it's a different vibe again. And I think the, the key word here is, is compassion. Uh, as And as opposed to um, maybe a kind of uh, selfishness or deception. So where Neptune is, we generally is an area of life where we f can, when we feel more compassion, when we're willing to give more in that area of life, we, uh, we find our alignment with higher self and we find... Um, that energy flows and, well, we find more happiness because the goal uh, when we set up the chart and put Neptune wherever we put it, uh, it is to be more generous, be more compassionate, be more loving in the very, uh, the higher octave of Venus kind of loving, that very um, um, Dalai Lama loving <laughs> energy. Uh, whereas if we are more self-centered in that area of life, the pat we can look in terms of a pattern of being maybe deceptive or self-centered or just thinking all not about the larger whole. Does that make sense? Just to me. Yep. Are you with me? Okay. And I'll just um, we'll just finish off with Pluto. Pluto's very life or death. You know that people who have Pluto conjunct the sun or on the ascendant or somewhere prominent, they're always using the term, you know, if I, 
<laughs> if this doesn't happen, I'm going to die. You know, if he leaves me, I'll die. And <laughs> we know that they're not going to die. That uh, whatever, but they make it. They uh, Scorpio rising will do the same kind of thing. Or strong Scorpio. Uh, there's this urge to make things life or death. And I think karmically speaking, we are looking. I mean, if we're talking about past lives, we died in all those past lives to be reborn into another. And the nature of the death and the connection, especially we're going to find this in sinistry when it's connected, um, it, oftentimes we're killed. We're, let, let's think about the past where there's all these, you know, wars and, and battles and it, it, we're all kind of, well, we're not in the military. We're all pretty shielded in this life. We're not worried about getting in a street fight and getting shot at high noon or whatever. But in the past, where we presume our past lives took place, unless they're taking place in parallel realities, but that's a whole other talk. But uh, there's a lot of killing. There's a lot more killing, I think, uh, going on. And there's plenty of killing now. So the point is, uh, don't be squeamish about thinking, well, if you've got, if let's say Pluto is the ruler of your 12th and you've got it in the 11th house, Pluto's in the 11th, maybe you were killed by a friend or maybe you killed a friend. And so where Pluto is, uh, there can be this kind of fear wariness around where you find it in the chart because we're not sure, you know, where the knife's coming from. <laughs> that sounds dramatic, but... I Pluto on the ascendant, so I can say it like that. <laughs> um, so we've got this kind of feeling of a pattern of of maybe ruthlessness or power is always uh, part of it. Um, I'm just thinking of this guy's little laugh. But I'm thinking of the series. Probably nobody watches but me of Teen Wolf, and the way the werewolves in that myth story mythology work is that if the alpha, um, or even to become an alpha, you have to kill an alpha because you gain his power, um, and if the alpha uh, kills another um, werewolf or uh, another alpha, you again become more powerful, and there is this feeling of life death power and this is very platonic this is the kind of themes uh that roll around here and again it sounds really dramatic but uh you, you need to uh if you take it from an example we'll look at some examples about this to bring it down into real life um well for example i think i used this example in the very first call i've got uh pluto square the sun and there can be a fee a un um substantiated fear you're just um oh my goodness raw just dashed through the cat door like his tail was on fire i heard him i know <laughs> he's not subtle he's got pluto in every house that cat he's just so intense <laughs> anyway uh so this pluto square the sun there this fear of authority and power over and this power struggle and we'll look at that in the sinistry example that i've got for today um all right so these are the that's kind of the difference between saturn uranus neptune and pluto in terms of karmic patterns in terms of vibrations that we're carrying over from the past and with aspects and we talked about this before, but I want to lay it out all in one place because I think they're scattered throughout. With the um, 
conjunctions, oppositions, and squares. You, depending on what they are, it can be a pattern that uh, it feels like it's coming from out there, right? You can be very unaware. Going back to Pluto square the sun, it can feel like everyone out there is dangerous. I, growing up, I did not feel like I was dangerous. I wasn't the dangerous one. I wasn't the one that they had to look out for. It was everything out there. And there is a, a feeling of uh, projection. Maybe not so much with the conjunction. It, the conjunction can feel we can identify more with the outer planet. But with the squares and oppositions, somebody, at least in the first 30 years of life, it's somebody else is doing that, not us. Um with the sextiles, I think there's a lot of opportunity to integrate the energy. It's easier to make that pattern, bring that pattern to awareness and uh, in some way turn it into an asset. Turn that um, I am powerful and find ways to be powerful in the world. And it's, I'm going to say it's easier. <laughs> I don't like to use the idea of hard and easy, but just Jeanette, if there's a better word for it, well, let's I just, use it. I love the sound of it. It feels empowering, and it feels um, mm. it feels like it's got authenticity and um, yeah, integrity. Feels, I don't know integrity exactly. And with the trines, it, the idea is that you've got that integration. Mm. It's something you have. It's harmonious for you. You've done this in a past lifetime. doesn't always work out that way, depending on what else is going on in the chart, but um, just as a general idea, the trines are where we've already um, worked through that energy. If you've got sun trine Pluto, Pluto becomes an ally to the sun, depending on what the uh, signs are and house placement. That powerhouse energy, that focus, even obsession which to me can be a very positive thing, <laughs> Pluto on the ascendant, <laughs> um, is, your, is your ally, right? This isn't a pattern. I guess the idea is that not all patterns, just like not all vibrations, are something that we'd even uh, want to tweak. Mm-hmm. You know, we're happy with it. And I think that's also why trines can be, uh, they're tagged, often tagged lazy, because there isn't really anything to work on so much there. Again, that's a generalization. You gotta look at the whole the whole show. And just to round this out, remember the modalities when it's a fixed aspect, let's say a fixed square, ooh, like my <laughs> Pluto square design is fixed. The idea is that that pattern, that vibration, that karma has been going on lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And if you don't do something about it now, well, you're just going to have to you know, keep going with it. But, I mean, things can just solidify the more and more that we just keep projecting out the powers out there, the dangers out there. However, we do it and we don't integrate this energy. We don't find a way to express it um, in a way that's fulfilling and joyous to us. Uh, Those fixed squares, if you've got a fixed square in your chart, that's where you want to work out a way (laughs) to release and transform that energy consciously. The cardinal squares, 
uh, or cardinal aspects of any kind in, in terms of uh, vibration. They're established, but they're not as uh, immutable seeming as as the fixed ones. So they've been going on just, say, just a couple lifetimes. <laughs> so you, you got more a chance. Mutable aspects, let's say the mutable square, for example, that's all new. That's a new pattern that you're just starting to establish. So get in there and that's going to be the probably the easiest one to nudge into a sextile or into a, a trine energy, nudge into a way that's going to uh, work for you. So work for you in a conscious and creative way. All right, so I wanted to put that kind of um, uh, uh, roundup, I just think that's the right word, roundup, uh, all uh, in one place. So we've done that. Are there any questions about that? I don't see any in chat room yet. No, that okay. was great, Tim. Okay, great. Good, good, good. All right, are there any questions at all over the last uh, week? last calls homework to changing your Saturn story or just identifying your Saturn story, finding what you wanted to really focus on and get right in this lifetime. And are there any questions? Does anyone need to go through that? Uh, didn't discuss it in the, in the um, conversations there. We're just ripping through this course now. <laughs> Everybody's on the ball. All right. So um, if you got, did anyone not get their reminder email? Of course, if you didn't get it and you're not here, you're not going to be able to answer. <laughs> but <laughs> did, did everyone get a reminder email about the call? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay, great. Great. Uh, now, I mentioned, I think I mentioned in there that we were going to look at synastry in some of the ways that we can identify karmic patterns and oh, we hear there's so much about oh it's a karmic relationship and I I get very jaded about that I hear that and I internally want to roll my eyes and I think, yeah yeah um, but but now we're going to talk about it because there are aspects that we can consider karmic and in that sense we're, there's a couple ways of looking at it, but one way is that we are talking about a, again, a vibration pattern that has been set in motion in the past, and we're we're groundhog daying, right? We're living it again, and we may love that pattern, and we may want to do Groundhog Day. I mean, we enjoyed watching the movie, right? It was fun to see things going over and over again. Um, but the guy in the movie was trying to get out of it, was trying to change so that he, he could experience something new and something different. Uh, so there's no judgment about um, when we get these relationships I don't know, show of hands, who's had a relationship that when it starts to, uh, we start to uh, really understand it, we realize it's just like one that we've had in the past. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Has, has anyone never experienced that? <laughs> okay. So patterns do show up vividly in relationships, and we will see it vividly in the synastry. Uh, we all know what synastry is. The word S-Y-N, sin, means with or together. It's Latin for running with. Astri is, means stars. 
And it literally means stars in the same place, stars running together. And it's when uh, my sun is on your moon or uh, your, your Mars is on my south node. Um, we are looking at putting the charts side by side or on top of each other and reading the uh, other person's uh, planets like transits. Okay, you've heard me say this before, and I got this from um, Steve. Oh, I want to say Minecraft Steve because I'm reading the kids' Minecraft books right now. <laughs> it's not Minecraft Steve. If you're not a Minecraft fan, that's going to make no sense whatsoever. Uh, Arroyas, Stephen Arroyas. Um, and he said people are like personal transits, right? Their planets are permanent personal transit. So whenever you're around that person, whenever you're near that person, uh, it's like having that transit all the time, their pattern on your chart all the time. Um, I, an example is uh, Jeanette has uh, her Venus and, and Mercury are on my Neptune. And so when we're together, it's like this Neptunian energy flowing through Venus and uh, and Mercury, and it's not it's nice, isn't it? I mean, I find I find I get a little bit of the Neptunian idealization. I, I idealize Jeanette. I definitely have her in this category of people that um, is very special to me. But yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's so it's permanent. It's like it's there all the time. That explains so much about how about how we experience people, doesn't it? Like when yeah, when we're at work, when one person drives a coworker crazy and we have no problem with them, it would be interesting to look at their charts. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. We uh, that's how we experience them. Now I'll just give you two links right now, so it's. on the um, transcripts of the chat, and you don't have to go there now, but uh, we discuss in two different calls uh, this idea of synastry. So if you want to explore it deeper, uh, one's in the chart reading like a pro um, course. They're both, ironically, they're both the module two of those two different courses. Completely unplanned, but... Um, synchronistic and the others in manifesting romance so if you want more about synastry and want to look at a lot of examples and hear how that unfolds not so I don't I'm sure I don't mention karma in there once but um, just get basic synastry under your belt go there now what we what we know about these people are permanent trances often when we want to, this is our higher self saying, oh, okay, I'm 35. I might be a little older than that, but let's just say I'm 35 and I haven't uh, really worked on this Saturn. Jeez, I keep ignoring my Saturn. I've had my Saturn return. Um, the trance has all been there, but I, I'm ignoring it. What can I do? Uh, the vibration that we send out the signal we send out is this ignored, is this Saturn, the pulsing. 
And so what we are going to draw back in, because it's unconscious, we're not living that Saturn, we're, we've had a Saturnectomy as far as we're concerned, uh, we're going to attract relationships that have they, their sun's on our Saturn, their Saturn's on our Saturn, that's like a permanent Saturn return, their ascendants on our Saturn, everything they do and say and the way they dress activates our Saturn. It's all about activation, right? We're, t- we're drawing to ourselves that which we aren't expressing uh, often and what we want to express to feel more whole, more complete, to explore the next great thing. Uh, but for some reason, usually a karmic pattern, we aren't doing it. <laughs> so uh, let's just go to the example and we can just unfold this a little bit. I invited you guys to put some uh, synastry charts up if you wanted to. I'm not sure if anybody's done that. Jeanette, I know you've got quite a few in there. But in the meanwhile, not quite. I didn't make that sound like <laughs> we've got your entire X factory in the, <laughs> but there's more than one. I'm so hesitant Good. about putting X's up. But anyway, I lost all mine on astro.com. All my oh. just cleared all of the hundred charts oh. I had in there. Did you? Was that intentional? Because no. I, I say, oh, uh-huh. I've got them. They're in um, because they go with that call that we did the manifesting. Well, it's either manifesting romance or the chart reading like a pro relationship one we used all your examples of a handful of examples (laughs) 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 anyway okay um so there's the example and these two people if you look at the we'll just go through a couple things that you that we're going to note and because we talked about nodes last was it last time we talked about notes? We'll, we can start there. Is that the south node? When you have a south, the south node of one um, person is when that's activated by something, particularly personal planets in the other. We can say that this is coming to this is something familiar. Been, we've been there before, and maybe we've been with this person before, or Maybe we've been with the, the, the tribe of this person, the energetic vibe of this person, but there's going to be something very familiar about them. Now, of course, anything that activates the south node is going to activate the north node as well because they're uh, on a, a polarity. But what I find is that people who have sun, moon, uh, personal planets on the south node or even in that sign, it always feels like we're giving something to them. We we owe them. Hmm. <laughs> they are coming around to collect. <laughs> I don't know if you, you guys can all tune into your south nodes and check that out and see if that feels familiar. But if someone's uh, sign your south the uh, sun sign in particular on your south node, I when I see those coming, I think, oh, okay. <laughs> get out my checkbook <laughs> metaphorically mm-hmm. or literally and uh there's going to be um i just surrender to it now i used to resist it uh but i ooh, sorry my screen just oh maybe i don't i still resist it a bit because my screen just waved its mm-hmm. finger at me <laughs> take those signs anyway we've got the south node there so in a synastry we're thinking about the nodal axis i like to 
start there because it's such a solid thing. And we don't really want to look at outer planets so much to the nodes uh, for this uh, comparison for this industry because they're so slow moving, you're just going to have, uh, it's going to be less unique to find those, uh, there's going to be whole periods of time where an outer planet sits on on your south node in so if you're dating people or connecting to people around the same age they're all going to have that that's also interesting but i'm really interested in the personal planets in this chart example you can see that the midheaven ic axis of person on the right is uh virtually identical to the north south node polarity especially because I'm not sure if this is true node or mean node, but uh, anything within a couple degrees is very spot on, especially when the nodes are concerned. And it's interesting because in this relationship, uh, first of all, this relationship started when the north node was in Leo. And obviously for both of them, you can see there's a, a match here to the... Um, to the houses, the house cusps are fairly close. Uh, they've got the same rising sign. And the whole relationship started with the, the nodes um, into the Leo-Aquarius axis, which that's interesting. Uh, so we start to feel like um, and there is a node kind of karma, karmic theme running through here. North node, his person on the left, North Node, on her um, ascendant, right away, just being around that person, for her, triggers this, it actually triggers for both of them this very strong desire to uh, to find their mission, profession, calling, to succeed in the world, to do tenth house things. And in the South Node, fourth house, activation becomes very interesting when they live together the the feeling here is that they've the habit pattern is having lived together right because you've got her her fourth house his south node been there that's the familiar that's um where it's at whereas work together is a new is a new thing or, or identify more strongly with the um, career, mission, profession. Does that make sense? Do you see that pattern there? Yeah. Yeah. And with this couple, here's the irony. They started living together within pretty much weeks of meeting because of, air quotes, circumstances. (laughs) She She had a place. He moved in. Now, Jeanette, you've had this. No, you haven't done this. I I did this, but you haven't done this. But you were tempted to do this, weren't you? There are circumstances that can allow you to invite someone, a love I interest, into your mm-hmm. home really early on. Mm-hmm. Really early on. And, of course, that would have activated all his Scorpio. <sighs> Intercepting Scorpio. So he... I'm jumping all over the place, but this is just so interesting. Uh, is his actual fourth house cusp is Libra, so the idea of moving in and home is oh, it's so just lovely, isn't it? It's just oh, that would be great. We could that's just 
go. We're so harmonious and this is going to be great. And as soon as we, it starts up, what happens? <laughs> as soon as he gets into the fourth house, what does he meet? Oh, he meets all that Scorpio. He meets all that Scorpio. It's like the, the TARDIS is it's really, really intense. So um, check the notes. When you're looking at... Um, when you're looking at chart synastry, if you see angles or personal planets on the on the north-south node axis, you can start to. Uh, I think you can very safely say that this pattern and this person has is coming back. <laughs> We've drawn them back in, and you know what I think when we look at it in terms of I've attracted this, and I've attracted this because. Either A, I want it, I like it, I love it, I want to have more of it, or B, I'm stuck in a pattern that keeps attracting this because I'm not aware of the signal I'm putting out. Both both ways allows us to embrace and in one ca- case just simply enjoy, in another case, transform that puppy. <laughs> Put some awareness in there. Look at what you're trying to attract. It's very likely that this um, the person on the right was, well, I have to think of her as another person to do this. She, it's very likely that she wanted to activate that fourth house energy, right? Why would you attract someone with all that Scorpio unless you really wanted to get into your deeper feelings, to get into a feeling of home and family? And, of course, what does that do? That triggers her moon square Saturn. Ouch. <laughs> But all for the end of South Node in Cancer. It's all to all for your the higher good, really. All to activate what is otherwise locked away. And when it's locked away, we're not feeling whole and complete. And these are fixed fixed sign too. You know, we wanted. Um, we want to explore this and expand it and release it. There's a tremendous amount of energy that needed releasing in this. We found it in retrospect. So, um, to check those nodes, check the moon, because when the moon is connected, there again, the moon is very much um, has to do with the past and the instinctual patterns that we've brought over from the past. Right away. Um, well, I don't want to do this all for you. What do you, with her moon at 10 Aquarius, do you see anything else, is there anything in his chart that links to that? Do you see anything else in those, around those degrees of Aquarius to start with? Sure. Descendant. <laughs> That's right. There's the descendant, right? Um, which we already know about the descendant is what we think the other person is. And the interesting thing about how this relationship went is that she became very lunar. All that fourth house activated and all, how uncomfortable he would have been with all that Scorpio in the fourth. She became very lunar um, the, and the moon on the descendant so she got to do all the feeling in the relationship 
she was the emotional one. She was the feeling one. And he wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> there was that split there. And, of course, being around him, projecting all that, uh, projecting the Aquarian energy over uh, to her, uh, made this, activated her moon. So she, the more she was around her, the more she felt the moon Saturn. And it's so fixed and so strong. And the desire to... Um, Saturn's very, uh, you have no idea how attached you can feel to someone who is activating your Saturn. You wouldn't think so. You'd think, oh, Venus or something lovely. But no, you get someone with sun on your Saturn or um, an aspect squaring your Saturn. Here's the Venus Saturn uh, in this uh, chart comparison. It's very powerful. I would definitely call any personal planet or angle to Saturn a karmic relationship where patterns are being activated and that you have been together in the past. Um, Evangeline Adams, esoteric astrologer from um, the time of uh, the the whole New Age uh, movement with Madame Blavansky, she said Saturn, uh, Venus on Saturn was a sign of eternal friendship eternal friendship and here we have um venus at zero scorpio saturn at four scorpio it's a strong conjunction and the thing is and what you will find when you do these chart comparisons is that it takes a really good friend to come in to your to join you in this lifetime and stir this shit up it takes a really good, solid friend who loves you from, you know, to bring up everything that that is brought up. And it can feel um, the opposite of love when it's going down. But in the big, big, big picture, especially also notice, I didn't know if you guys picked up, but his Neptune at 10 uh, Libra is that beautiful trine to the moon at uh, 10 Aquarius. And you get just get sucked in. You get deceived. <laughs> That's just the me, old me talking. Uh, but you you feel like you get lulled in, and there's a lot of idealization. And I think under the surface there is this eternal friendship, and there is this eternal um, compassion. Plays a very strong component. But as the relationship, uh, which didn't work out, whatever that means, but went on for a fair long time. Um, As the relationship became more, I'm just going to say toxic because it was, that feeling of uh, love and compassion turned very much into uh, deception. I was deceived. I was tricked. I was uh, um, all those things. Does Does that make sense how we're looking at this in terms of karma? Yeah, that was great, Kim. Are there any um, questions about this? Um, can you do, do you see anything in the chart or anything that you know you have in this industry chart that you'd like to bring up? We're going to take a look at Maryland's before we were done today, I know. Okay. All right. Well, we can look at that, but let's try to keep it to synastry. If there, if you've got some planet that keeps getting activated, that sort of thing. I'll just mention one more thing because, in general, you're going to find this. 
is that the um, can we all look over at the Leo uh, aspects in the synastry? Can you see what the closest aspect to Pluto is in the synastry? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you guys under pressure, but I I love the interaction. Just trying to find them. Oh, okay. Um, um, look, I'll just carry on. Saturn in the chart on the left, Saturn is twenty Leo. On the chart on the right, Pluto is twenty two Leo. So these are very closely conjunct. And I, as I said before, we don't generally think puts as much weight on the outer planets at first, but when you've got all those inner planet to outer planet connections going on in the nodal axis, you this Saturn-Pluto is extremely um, relative, relevant, sorry, relative. It's relevant in, in the comparison. And it also means that everyone born around that time is going to have this... Um, this connection and what generally tends to happen against a fixed sign is that the Saturn person um, can feel very uncomfortable about the plutonian power this raw kind of uranium energy this volatile life death energy that's welling up in um, the Pluto person and the goal is to control it now to, to to hold it down, to not let that get out of control. We already know that she's got Sun Square Pluto, so it's not easy to consciously express her power, certainly not back in the day when this sinistry was active. Uh, we're going back uh, 35, 40 years. Um, very difficult to identify with being an empowered person. Put Saturn on top of that, and uh, it's extremely oppressive. That could just be my personal experience of it. But actually, if you look in a synastry textbook, you're going to find <laughs> Saturn-Pluto doesn't get a lot of good press. Uh, simply because the Saturn person, can you see how this Pluto on the ascendant, the Leo, is so uh, familiar and almost competitive to the Mars, Mars on the ascendant, Leo, over here, um, it's almost too similar, and but uh, this raw power, this just wanting to cap it. You want to cap that well and not let that up. And the interesting thing is how this industry works, because it's always a two-way street. It's a two-way flow. We can say that this uh, idea of life and death, and this li- struggle to to express one's power goes way back in a pattern with these two people. The, okay, the guy on the left with has Pluto conjunct Saturn natally. So it only uh, serves to activate what's already there in the natal. And this is where it becomes an extremely karmic situation because that balance between that raw underworld power and all things occult She's an astrologer. He's a scientist who um, 
who found it the idea oh, in one screaming horrible argument was she he was accused accusing her of being a witch uh, that and he understood why they burned them <laughs> we can laugh now i know oh, I, I also got a kind of a bad chill um so like years i couldn't have talked about this you know when it was happening in this way um but it feels like lifetimes ago now but yeah so you get this feeling and the thing is she used to have dreams that he was chasing her with an axe seriously this is in the like the early stage where everything's just so lovely and and planning a wedding and nightmares waking up cold sweat nightmares that he's chopping her up with an axe very complicated stuff here and this didn't come this wasn't the first time encounter with these two people (laughs) and but it's it's also her pluto and i'm not dead sure which one of them killed each other maybe they took turns but um the beautiful thing is in this lifetime of course not over yet but pretty sure neither of them are going to kill each other that it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the, the funny thing, I'll just round it out with the the way it worked out is they had a child together. And you parents out there will probably realize that in general, the person you have a child with is with you for the rest of your life, no matter what. No matter if you never even, you know, uh, are on speaking terms, they're there. And, and this was uh, once the, the child uh, was grown up, a lot of the pressure came off and it kept them in contact. And I will say that the elements of eternal friendship and uh, this uh, beautiful compassion came full circle. And I do feel that something was expiated. I don't think it would have been if, well, I'm just guessing, but I don't think it would have been if they'd stayed together. Because yeah, there were just too many axes in the closet ready to swing, <laughs> <laughs> ready to chop, chop. But, um, yeah, this is, this is how we can play with karma and the threads of karma in relationship. And really, we're looking at the charts as permanent transits, what's waking up, and then taking responsibility. In this case, we're attracting that transit we're attracting that pattern and not so i would i believe that it's not so we can become more fixed in it and feel victimized to it i believe it's so we can uh let go of this pattern and transform it into something more fulfilling more loving more compassionate more beautiful more expansive more exciting i will say though that uh, it can be very exciting to meet a person from the past and re-engage in, you know, it's almost like playing those uh, role-playing computer games. And, you know, you want to, you know how, I don't know if this could be the right metaphor, but you you get to a level, you have to advance from a a past, uh, uh, the level you're on. At the end, if you get through all the little things and you gather all the stuff and you fight all the demons and you get to the end and it's the big giant demon you have to fight and usually together with another person to get to the next level and it's kind of like that and it is exciting it can be exciting it can be devastating but exciting so (laughs) don't judge what's 
you know, if clients come to you and you see this sinistry and you think, oh, my God, you know, you've had this alcoholic partner draining you dry, vampire vampirizing uh, your life for, you know, the last 50 lifetimes, when are you going to move on? Don't judge that because uh, we come to awareness when we come to awareness. And um, it's more to explore what it is. And just by seeing what it is and playing with the stories, we can expand it and we move on when we're ready. Because sometimes we need to stay, stay fixed. We need to repeat things. You know, when you're really little and you love to hear the same story over and over again, or mm-hmm. your kid wants you to read the same thing, or watch the same oh, watch the same movie over and over and over. I, I listen to Abraham say the same stuff pretty much every season. I know. I listen to you. Say, <laughs> I've got you. Know, <laughs> uh, no, I do. And on my uh, iPod, and I run four or five times a week, and I'll Listen, I'm still listening to Body Love Lab. I'm still listening to those very first calls um, because I get something new out of each time. And I think that's the case with our karmic relationships wow. as well. That's a nice way to say And when, when we get it, it. We, won't, we won't listen to it anymore. We'll listen to the next thing. Exactly. So, okay. Do we have any questions? No, that's good, Kim. Did you did you want to look at your chart in terms of a um, a sinistry aspect or something in your chart that gets uh, activated repeatedly? Everybody, but you in particular, because we've got your chart here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I put I put the bottom one on because I've excused for the extra asteroids because I've just done it this morning. But the um, I put the bottom link there has the two of them side by side. It's just an interesting one, really, because it's the beginning of this whole um, kind of change in my life. And, um, yeah, it's just interesting to look at. But that's great examples you've given today. Thanks so much, Kim. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. There's a, you got a lot of bodies in here. Yeah. <laughs> do you have the trans... Okay, we won't go through what you have. When you do synastry, just do the traditionals to start with. And it's fun to put in other aspects, um, like asteroids, maybe put in arrows, maybe put in psyche. Try different things, which is great. But when you first want to look at it, if you put in too, too much stuff, everything's activated. Yeah. And when everything's yeah. activated, nothing's activated. It's, uh, it, yeah. You lose meaning because um, nothing is specific. But if okay. we look, is there one particular thing in here? That you wanted to? Well, I see something interesting. Well, the nodes, um, I think the, yeah, the nodes are there, but it's the, um, well, we haven't really covered midpoints so much, have we, as yet? But I think the mid sun, moon, midpoint um, is significant. Again, I mean, I love all your stories of Pluto and Scorpio because obviously I've carried on quite a significant amount of that energy and it's been, you know, it's a big mean, a big one in my life. And I'm right at the point at this stage of rewriting the script, um, in particular um, in those um, of the opposite sex that I attract. But, um, yeah, the nodes, I suppose, on this one, um, 
Um, oh, because they sit right across your his north node in Gemini, five Gemini bang on your um, ascendant, descendant, yeah. which is exactly the example that we had before. Um, so that in the tenth and the fourth before, wasn't it? Oh, oh yes, yeah. Um, no, that's right. I was saying, I was talking about the ascendant and the moon. You're right. That was different. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the ascendant descendant was activated by the moon, moon opposite ascendant. So, but here, yeah, the ascendant, when somebody's north node is on your ascendant, it, it's very exciting because you feel like you can be you, right? It's a Gemini new lights up and it feels very accepted and it, it pulls him towards his path so learning together studying together talking talk 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 um it can be very uh fulfilling in the relationship and it also puts south node and descendant in sagittarius and i think the feeling of something about this relationship tunes you into where you want the facts where you want to research and learn and not take things on faith as much. Um, it can activate that in you. Are you sun? The sun signs are exactly opposite too, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Right, 19, yeah. which is interesting. And where's Saturn? I'm just going through it how I would if I wanted to yeah. pick out kind of karmic things. Um, um, here's Saturn at two degrees of Leo. He's got. Which is on yeah. your Venus, your eternal friends. <laughs> That's lovely. I, I, I just to say, when you mentioned that, it made me think of my son who has Saturn, um, Venus in Scorpio natally in the first house. And that, so, well, he's a double Libran, but that so describes him. I mean, the eternal friend, loyalty, uh, you know, is that. Right. So he, yeah. yeah, he then takes that on as an identity when it's in the first yeah. house there. That's that's yeah. interesting. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's great. We'll do those, do those up without all the... Yes. Okay, I will. And I'll put them back up there. And I then just, I, I put I, it... Myself, yeah. But that's fine. I mean, it's good. It's good to have something to look at there for sure. And um, I just have it comes. automatically like that in my um, in my program. I, I I use that generally, so I just didn't get a chance to take them all off. No, I know. Putting... I know. Yeah. Well, you've got the kind of mind with that Gemini rising, that Virgo, that you can put in a thousand details and compartmentalize them all and get, gather data from them all, and it, it's really cool. Um, most people don't have that skill <laughs> there aren't as many people i don't know do you guys do you find it easier to just first look at the traditional planets and and make connections or do you like all the putting in the the asteroids and transplutonians i think you've got transplutonians in here maybe not the the reason I just just briefly the well I I, I add all the Liliths because I have mentioned before um, in in speaking that a Lilith is is significant in my life path and I have been doing all the homework um, I've, I've been a bit um, I haven't had much internet traveling internet and phone connection so I haven't been 
posting things on the site as much, but I've been doing it all. And I'd just like to say the last call on the... And in the beginning, it was just, yes, okay, they're the aspects, and nothing was quite kind of settling down. And then with each call, a little bit more would just open up and flower. And then with the nodes last time, it just went boom. And, oh, uh, opened fantastic. Up. So it's been, a, it's been really kind of organic and um, and slow. And, and considering I have got Gemini Ascendant and I'm a Virgo, um, I'm actually very right-brained. I mean, Neptune's really strong in me and, and it gets stronger. So I, I actually need to feel it and see it and live it and mm, need to okay. come into life, you know, not just be symbols on a page. But, um, oh, but I just wanted yeah. the reason I saw the Lilith there um, because it's significant in my life. But Lilith also carries a very Plutonian, Scorpion energy to me and, um, mm. you know, and in the feminine, which, you know, I have Taurus 12th house, you know, Venus mm. as my 12th house karmic ruler. So that the, the feminine kind of manifestation of that energy is um, of great interest to me. So, but anyway, yeah, this chart obviously has the Pisces, but it's also got quite a strong Neptunian, um, uh, uh, Scorpion energy as well, which is moons in Scorpio. Mm-hmm. 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 And I think... Um, Pisces, in general, likes a bit of fixed energy. <clears throat> I think it anchors it. Um, okay. Jackie, if you're still on the line, you have to let me know if this is true. But I think having fixed angles or something fixed in the chart keeps all that Pisces energy from floating off in a thousand different directions. So <laughs> I think it's good. I don't know if Jackie's still on the call. Um yeah. All right, you guys. Yeah, sorry. I'm good. Oh, sorry. Can you relate to that, Jackie? Can you say that again, please? Oh, I was Can you asking, say that again? Yeah, if, if the Pisces, it's just generally being Pisces, if it feels helpful to have some fixed, like fixed angles, I know you've got fixed angles or fixed planets, um, it kind of grounds the Pisces a bit no matter what um sign if it's fixed kind of keeps things from all scattering off into different directions that was just an observation yeah yeah that would be right okay (laughs) (laughs) all right are there any other questions before we wrap up just one more thing. I've just done that. Just as as in a purely at this point in time, it's actually not that personal this um, combination. But um, but just as a interest in the whole kind of karmic um, evolutionary thing that's happening at this time um, is the eros and psyche joining too, um, which you know uh, brings up a you know the relationship theme. Of course, brings up or the Plutonian theme in a way. Um, uh, so the, the Pisces and Eros conjunct in uh, Virgo, early Virgo. Okay, I'm just looking. I'm seeing Psyche. He's got Psyche at five Virgo. Is that Virgo. correct? Yeah. In the seventh. And my Eros. Yeah, my Eros. And you're. Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's always um, strong. That's usually a very strong physical, um, passionate kind of connection. And it's, it can 
be the bodies or it can be a creative project, but it's definitely a spark. I'm not sure how karmic it is in the sense that it's a pattern that's been going on. I think it can, Psyche and Eros can be brand new, uh, a brand new addition (laughs) to a relationship. And I think when it is, it can take a little bit longer to warm into uh, to really feel that uh, develop the relationship has to develop. Remember, you have a sinistry chart with every person on the planet and everyone who has lived and everyone who will live. Okay, the only thing that matters, the only thing that makes it <laughs> not this giant black hole of of everything um, of gravity is that the sinistry activates when you connect. Like, I don't have, I'm sure I've got Saturn, uh, all the people out there that have Saturn at two degrees of Gemini, and there's millions and millions and millions of them, I'm not having this amazing karmic relationship with, am I? Because they, I haven't brought them in. They're not in my space. I haven't um, connected. And believe me, it doesn't have to be face-to-face. You can be on the computer with someone you never actually meet, and all your sinistry lights up like a Christmas tree. You don't have to be in the same room, but you have to have an awareness of each other and make some kind of connection. That might seem obvious, but um, it's good to keep it in perspective. That um, there's, you know how they say there's plenty of fish in the sea? Mm. There are. <laughs> there are so many people with so many there's millions of people out there activating all these intense karmic things in your chart and they're they're not here they're not engaged with you it's the the ones that you're connected to that are mattering right now and whatever magic it takes that singles out a person to that they again might be on the other side of the world to send you an email or to strike up a conversation or join a course that you're in we should all look at each other's sinistry we'd find uh there's connections it's not just love relationships it's every kind of connection that you have but um same with composite charts you've got a composite chart with everybody on the planet everyone who's ever lived everyone who ever will live and that doesn't mean that that composite chart is working (laughs) i've got a composite chart with um, Keanu Reeves, uh, but it's it's not activated yet. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? It's, you you got look at the charts of people you're connected with. Although I'm going to correct myself there because their um, social surrogacy is a real thing and what social surrogacy is is when you read about someone in a book or you follow them online or you watch them in a film you are engaging and it's it's a one-sided obviously with a celebrity or a um, royalty or whatever but you are engaging with that person and you can learn about what it is that draws you so much to them um, via the sinistry but it's that's one's not going both ways. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. Lots of fun stuff to explore here, guys. I'm going to um, I'm going to get the uh, call number five post up with a place for you to 
um, add your comments or questions about any uh, synastry activation or anything that we've talked about in terms of the aspects, the modalities, the uh, outer planets, and, and karma. So, radio, next call on the 6th. Jeanette, let me know if that time slot that I created isn't looking yes, quite perfect. No, that works. I'll change it. Yep. Okay, great. Good. Great. I didn't mean to presume. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought, oh, I'll put it there. We can always change it because <laughs> I'm getting really good at changing things. Uh, <laughs> I think it's good practice. <laughs> anyway, that'll be our wrap-up call for the for the karmic course, and we're going to look at the asteroid karma because that's just fun, and go over any questions uh, or lingering thoughts or ideas. So that'll be our little um, final call party on the sixth. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Okay, you and this is this is starting to sink in for me in a way that it hasn't before. So I'm oh, appreciating the insights as usual, and thanks for laying it out in a way that I can understand. <laughs> very, very That's welcome. Nice. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.